Rwanda, to many Westerners, is known for the genocide, which happened like uh, I think 20 years ago at this point. Um, but since then, uh, there's the, the president um, that is, has taken over there is really kind of looks up to like Singapore. Singapore is this, you know, the story of Singapore where it's like it was a little fishing village and now it's become this little city state that like is, you know, one of the wealthiest in the world and we're really well respected. So the president has really kind of taken on that ideal to say like we are going to be almost like the Singapore of Africa. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikkel Karshavsky, and welcome to another episode of That Remote Life podcast, where we hear from remote work experts, digital nomads, and location-independent entrepreneurs, so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm very excited to be joined by Matthew Grolnick, the lead in employability and the future of work for the MasterCard Foundation in Africa. His work focuses on exploring ways that future economic trends, new forms of work, and emerging technologies can help young people access dignified and fulfilling work across Africa. And during this episode, Matt shared why he decided to live in Zambia after working for the Peace Corps, the opportunities and issues facing Africa over the next 30 years in terms of the future of work, the best cities and countries to check out in Africa as a digital nomad, and the biggest business opportunities around creating services for nomadic families. But before we jump in, two quick things. Number one, make sure you subscribe to my newsletter, Remote Insider, where every Monday I share the most important developments in the areas of remote work, online business tech, and the digital nomad lifestyle. It has been called mandatory reading by other subscribers. And if you enjoy this podcast, I guarantee you'll also love being a Remote Insider subscriber. You can subscribe to that at thatremotelive.com forward slash remote insider, all one word. And number two, I'd like to personally invite you to join our TRL listener Slack channel, which you can find at thatremotelife.com forward slash Slack. In the Slack channel, you'll be able to have direct contact with me, meet other listeners of this show, and we'll be putting together events and Q&As with some of our biggest podcast guests to dive in even deeper with them. Access to the Slack channel is completely free. And again, that link is thatremotelife.com forward slash Slack. Finally, if you haven't left a review of the show already, please consider leaving one wherever you listen to podcasts. I would greatly appreciate that. I've also made it really easy for you to leave a review by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash TRL. Leaving a review there will only take you a minute and it will really help me grow this podcast. But all right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with Matthew Grolnick. All right, Matt, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you doing? Thanks, good. Really excited to be here as well. So um, we connected over Twitter, and I'm very excited to have you on here because obviously, you know, I discuss a lot about like the digital nomadism and travel and like working from all these different places, and I've traveled all over the world, but one part of the world that I'm very, very ignorant about but very, very curious about is Africa. And I know Africa is a giant continent with many countries in there, but I'm going to be honest, like I'm very ignorant about like 
what are the differences with within that and like what are some of the cool places people need to check out and so on and so forth and you've been living in uh kenya now and several different countries in, in africa i believe for quite a long time right but you were from the u.s so to just kind of like start out how did you end up moving to africa and like how did you like why did you decide to do that and where did you go first yeah, cool. Well, first of all, I mean, you haven't been here, but your voice has definitely made it here. Um, I'll just say, <laughs> as um, I started off kind of my nomad journey, your podcast was one of the first ones I found and kind of inspired and and, and, and made us really think about what this means. So um, oh, yeah, awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. You're here in spirit. Um, so yeah, but um, I first came basically right out of undergrad, uh, basically went into the Peace Corps. Uh, and in the Peace Corps, you don't really have a choice. They just kind of tell you, okay, you're going here. Um, and they sent me to Zambia. I had to look up on a map where that was, uh, where they, <laughs> when they sent me there. Um, but then went there and kind of did my time in the Peace Corps for two years, um, kind of in a rural area. Um, and honestly, I, I just loved it. Um, but I also found it very complex, you know, I found it, I needed to kind of like learn the culture and really understand it. And basically after two years, um, I was feeling like I was just really starting to understand it. Um, I was also learning the language uh, uh, and, you know, at one point was, was quite fluent in one of the local languages. Um, so after two years, I wasn't ready to go home. Um, so I was looking around to kind of for ways to stay and found a, a job actually at the U.S. Uh, embassy uh, in Zambia and stuck around for two more years. And I guess the one additional thing that happened is during that time, I met the woman who became my wife, um, who is Zambian. She, uh, she grew up in Zambia until she was about 10, uh, then moved to the U.S., was there for like 15 years between uh, Boston and New York. Um, and then moved back to Zambia, and that was kind of the time we met. And I guess uh, a bit of a mutual understanding of each other's cultures, and uh, yeah, that kind of a couple, you know, a number of years later, um, we got married, and um, yeah, now uh, have two kids, and you know, our, we've moved a, a bit within the continent, and also back a stint back in the U.S. and a stint nomadic. But um, yeah, that uh, that's kind of what keeps us around, you know, kind of our enjoyment for the continent and, you know, obviously that relationship. And how old are your kids now? Yeah, so now they are um, five and seven. Okay, gotcha. You know, I'm so, uh, I was just talking about this on a previous podcast about how um, I think this generation of kids that are a little bit younger now that are growing up with nomadic, let's say, quote unquote, parents, Mm -hmm. is so interesting because it's almost like a further evolution of what I experienced because, um, you know, when I was um, growing up in Bulgaria, it was like right when Bulgaria entered the European Union. So all of a sudden you started having these people that were able to like leave the country and go to Europe. And so, so many of like my friends either moved from Bulgaria to like Germany or England or France or Spain or wherever with their families. Maybe if they didn't do that, they went to college there. And so, a lot of like my friends from Bulgaria grew up with this very like, let's not say global, but like multicultural, multinational kind of like identity. And I always thought that was so cool. But now it's almost like the next generation is taking that to like a next degree where it's like not just multicultural, but like you're moving all over the world and you're like really growing up in this very 
global way. And so I'm curious, like, have you thought about that with like your kids? And like, are you seeing, like, is that like, do you feel that it's having like an impact on the way that they're developing in some way? Like, I'm kind of very curious about like what sort of impact that sort of lifestyle is going to have on this next generation of kids that maybe grew up in this way. Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that way in terms of kind of that evolution. Um, Because my wife also would be kind of what you would consider like a third culture kid, right? Kind of from one area, gone to another area, uh, you know, grew up there and and, and took on. You know, I never understood that title because it's like, wouldn't that be like a second culture kid? Like you're growing up, your parents are from one. And I'm like, am I misunderstanding something about that (laughs) term? Like, I don't know what the. Yeah, I think I I had some confusion about that as well. And then I asked somebody and the way they described it to me was like, your first culture is where you're born. Your second culture is that culture that you grew up in, uh, that you sorry that you moved to, and then the third culture right. is kind of like that that like conglomeration and bringing that all together, and you make this like unique mm-hmm. culture, oftentimes like within your family, that is kind of a yeah, mix yeah, of yeah. multiple things. So that's that's yeah, that's it's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, because we do speak like a modified Bulgarian in my house, where it's like you know mm-hmm. there's like some words that don't exist in Bulgarian that exist in English, so like you'll just throw like random like. English words and it really confuses my wife because she's like learning Bulgarian. She's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Is this an English word or is it, you know, so. Right. It is so interesting. You know, it's, it's funny. Like my wife, for example, she goes to Zambia and people in Zambia are kind of like, clearly you didn't spend your whole life here. Yeah. You know, your accent is not, you know, pure Zambian, but she, so there's a little like, you're, you know, you're from here, but you're not fully from here. And then she goes to the U S yeah. and it's similar. It's like, okay, you're not from here. So it's kind of like where where do you uh, where do you fit in? And you know, funny enough, the place that she says is like her favorite place because she feels like she fits in the most is at airports. She just loves being in airports because it's like you can be from anywhere. Um, you know, everyone fits in. God, I love that. So, but um, so, maybe we need to start. Like, uh, uh, I'll let you answer here in a second because I know I yeah. interrupted you. But it's um, it's funny because I totally understand your wife. Like, mm-hmm. I go to Bulgaria and I'm the American kid. And when I'm in the United States, I'm the Bulgarian kid. And I can't really hide that with my name. Like, it's not like my name is Michael or Alex or something, right? Mm -hmm. And so I totally feel for your wife. And I've I've always thought, like, I feel like I was kind of destined to be a digital nomad in some way. That sounds so cheesy. But, like, I don't know. Like, I didn't quite feel at home anywhere. And so, like, everywhere became a home in some way. So, Mm -hmm. I, yeah, it's it's so interesting. But anyways, go ahead with, uh, you know, the original question in terms of, like, how has you know, are you seeing like an impact on your kids and how they're developing in that way as you're like living nomadically? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that evolution is really interesting because she was, my wife was that, that third culture kid. And now this is like taking it to the next level. Um, and definitely, I mean, I think there's multiple things that are coming out of it. One is just kind of like a general um, acceptance of people, right? You know, they see people of different kind of languages, skin tones, you know, cultures, traditions, and it doesn't really phase them. It doesn't kind of, I don't think they see them as much as kind of other, the other. Um, so, you know, they're ready to kind of jump in and have those relationships, which I think is, is, is really cool. Um, and yeah, then just kind of like them being able to kind of pick up and kind of jump into any situation. Like, you know, they, they see new situations and are not really scared of them. They just kind of are able to kind of jump in. That's not always the case. You know, kids are, kids are, are, are funny in that way. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I definitely think that that's, uh, that's, uh, something that I've seen come out of them. Yeah. 
So this is kind of like a very hard transition, but um, I'm very curious to hear about and share with people listening what you do, because let me read your uh, job title here because I need to read it. So you are the lead of employability in the future of work at MasterCard Foundation in Africa. So A, um, what does that mean? And B, is it as cool as that sounds? Because I read that title and wow, it's like I have to like read it. Um, It's the coolest title ever. And I have no idea what you do, but it sounds like it'd be something very, very cool. So can you share with folks like what exactly you do in terms of like employability in the future of work? Sure. So first of all, I will have to put on a little disclaimer on this. Anything that I'm saying is kind of my view uh, as an individual, sure. I'm not here representing the MasterCard Foundation, but just me as an individual. No, no um, one call MasterCard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, generally, you know, what we are doing is kind of looking at um, how we can leverage this idea of the future of work to bring jobs and opportunities to the continent of Africa. Um, you know, I think that uh, one of my almost like let's call it a North Star is that um, there's just not enough jobs on the continent generally. So you have lots of people looking for jobs, not enough uh, jobs on the continent. Um, And so kind of one of the ideas is, you know, how do we, we know that one way that you could uh, address that is to um, create more jobs on the continent. And there's lots of people doing that, lots, you know, lots of people working on that. But the other idea is there's kind of this like ether of jobs freelancing gigs, whatnot, that's kind of floating around the world. And how can we think about like pulling those down uh, to to the continent to give people more opportunities? Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about uh, uh, what we're looking at and you know how we can approach that to, to, to bring those opportunities here. Cool. So what I'm really curious to find out is kind of like as somebody who's working in this space and is in Africa and kind of really getting to see these things happening in like real time. I'm curious about like, how do you view the future of work from your, from your position and, and how does that differ perhaps on a continent basis? Like how do you see the future of work progressing in Africa as a continent versus maybe other places in the world? Like I'm just kind of curious to understand your vision of where the future of work is headed. Yeah, good question. I think I, I think there's kind of like a like an immediate or short term future of work, and then there's like the long term future of work. And I really see the immediate as being a, a big opportunity for the continent. Um, you know, there are all these jobs and opportunities that are out there, kind of floating in this ether, um, and it's 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 now kind of opened up the minds of many companies, many organizations that you know we don't need to have our team sitting right in front of us. Um, we can you know, be working with teams all over the world. And, you know, we already saw outsourcing to kind of like India and some of these other places, but I think it's just going to really open up uh, that, um, that, 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 those opportunities. Um, Africa is by and large, you know, there's, there's a lot of local languages, but by and large, a very English speaking continent and a very French speaking continent. Um, so I think there's a lot of like synergies that can happen. It's also in the same time zone as Europe. Um, so I think there's just a lot of opportunities and there's, of course, there's barriers, um, you know, at this point, luckily we're getting a lot of really good internet coming to the continent. So generally that is not as much of a barrier as it used to be, but yeah, making sure people have laptops and have the skills to kind of make this happen. 
um, is something that we are working on uh, and, and trying to make happen. So I see it as a big opportunity and I see that actually Africa is kind of very well placed uh, to take advantage of some of these opportunities. Um, then if we talk about the long term, uh, you know, I think that a lot of these trends that uh, we talk about, AI, automation, um, some of these, th these things that are happening globally definitely will affect the continent and will come here. But one of the interesting kind of thought experiments I'm working through is like some of these things will, you know, once they're invented, will diffuse to the, like around the world very quickly, things that are digital. Um, AI, so, uh, you know, will kind of diffuse to the globe digitally, but then there's some that are very infrastructure heavy, like you have to buy equipment to kind of take advantage of these things. And those might uh, uh, diffuse kind of more slowly. Um, so yeah, I think, but, but um, I do think that uh, they're coming here. And I think that, you know, just as a continent, it's, it's helpful for, uh, for the continent to kind of like prepare for that and make sure that it's, it's, it's ready for it. Yeah, that reminds me of something that I was reading a long time ago, and I have no idea like uh, what the source of this was, but I was talking about how technology in different areas tends to like skip phases. So for mm -hmm. example, I remember in Bulgaria, like we never really had pagers. It just went from like hard lines to like cell phones, essentially, mm -hmm. you know, like we, I don't know, I've seen like a pager once in my life, you know, there wasn't this big phase as it was like in the US in the 80s of like pagers and like whatnot. And that made me think about the, the other thing they were talking about in this article where I was reading this was kind of like how it's now happening happening in Africa where some places maybe never got like hardwired internet, but now they have like, you know, like mobile internet or whatever it may be where it kind of doesn't require to have that infrastructure like you were saying. It's just, it's, you know, like satellite or, or whatever it may be. So I do think that that's very interesting. It reminds me of what you were saying about the fact that you're in the European time zone, um, Balaji had this really great point about um, how opportunity is now longitudinal versus latitudinal. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but how, you know, opportunity kind of, if you think about it in like the 80s and 90s, early 2000s was like North America, Europe, China, and they're all kind of on the same latitude. But now if you think about it with remote work, actually the longitude matters because we're, while those may still be the main economic centers, now there's opportunity to go down and up because you're in the same time zone. So it's a very easy transition to remote work. So are you seeing a lot of European companies kind of like starting to look at like uh, more African talent perhaps? Or what are like the biggest um challenges to companies actually looking at africa as a continent as like a place to go and like find really great talent yeah yeah, i like that i like that biology quote um and yeah i think it's it's something that you know as digital nomads we <laughs> we deal with a lot you know these time zone issues and like i'm in i'm in nairobi kenya right now um so you know it's, it's night for me whereas for you it's kind of early morning um so yeah totally kind of get that um yeah, in terms of European companies, I think that I think it's still early days, to be honest. Um, I think that a lot of them, you know, there's still kind of some uh, um, policy issues that need to kind of be worked out in terms of, you know, what does it mean to kind of work with people and even maybe employ people that are outside of your um, jurisdiction, outside of your country, um, tax issues. But I think that a lot of that stuff is kind of being worked on um, and obviously kind of with freelancing and other uh other, other forms of kind of uh, working with this and making this uh, legal. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. These are not things to overcome. Um, but yeah, uh, I, think that, I think it's still pretty early uh, in, in that happening. Um, 
but uh, I do think it's coming. So do you see then the most opportunity immediately? You mentioned like freelancing. Like, are you seeing a lot of people um, around you um, that are becoming more interested in that in terms of like, hey, I, you know, have a really valuable skill set. Let me freelance it out for American, Canadian, European, you know, Australian companies where I can charge more. Are you seeing that trend happening? Yeah, uh, definitely. I am seeing that happening. I am seeing more people get interested in the space. Um, but I also think that there's like almost a branding issue with Africa. Um, I was talking to somebody recently who was saying like, we need to kind of mask the fact that we are from Africa because if they see that, they don't, you know, they're more used to working with like Indian uh, people from India kind of to outsource or, or Eastern European. They almost have to mask it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely more people in the space. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a way to kind of work beyond your economy. So if your economy isn't doing as strong or, or if the opportunities aren't there, um, bring it in. And the other thing is that it's great just to kind of bring in like hard currency, to bring in dollars rather than yeah. uh, local currencies that may not be, may not hold its value uh, as well. That's interesting that you say that about branding because like I think Eastern Europe and like Eastern European talent kind of got over that in some way where a lot of people were like, oh, they're really good at tech and IT. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's the thing that you will hear a lot of like, you know, companies uh, hiring from Eastern Europe are like, our devs are awesome and they're from, you know, Serbia or Bulgaria or Romania or whatever. Um, so I'm curious, I think in the long term, this is one of those issues that actually will be a non-starter because I do think the future of these freelancing jobs will be on the blockchain in terms of like, and we're already seeing projects that are coming up with this where they're kind of like combining Upwork and Asana, but putting it on the blockchain so that actually people can just say, Hey, I'm, I see your project. I see the scope of it. I'm bidding for these three tasks of that project and you have no idea who I am because I'm anonymous and on the blockchain, but you can see my entire, you know, history of work. And so that doesn't really matter. So I think in the long term, that's going to be really kind of like the way to do it. But in the short term, I'm curious, how do you solve that branding challenge? Like, how do you make a an effort and not just leave it up to and hope that it like happens? Like, what's what do you think is the approach to that to solve that branding issue there? Yeah. Well, let me, let me quickly actually talk about the long term. Um, one, one kind of like interesting stat is, um, and I think this will, you know, kind of feed into maybe even the short term, but Africa as a continent is like, I think, it, I think currently it is the youngest continent in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but in yep. terms of like, de- you know, demographics is our future, they kind of say, um, mm-hmm. It is a continent with the fastest growing population in the world. It's already 1.4 billion people, so it's huge. It has, uh, I think, 54 countries. It's a huge place. It's diverse. Um, But, you know, a lot of. I saw a stat that said, like, I saw a stat that said, like, seven of the 10 biggest cities by 2050 will be in Africa. Um, So, yeah. 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 But, I mean, basically, around the world, you have declining populations. I mean, definitely Europe, but, uh, you know, declining kind of like flatline populations. Um, Africa is like still exponentially growing. So I think the stat is, you know, don't quote me here, but I think the stat is something like by 2040 or 2050, one out of every three young people, like below the age, I think, of 35, um, is going to be African. So it's going to increasingly like take its spot and increasingly you know it's going to be a big player 
uh, whether whether you wanted to or not. Um, that's just kind of the direction it's heading. Um, so I think that's important, you know. So I think that eventually it's just gonna it's gonna claim its spot. Um, I guess the time is just the timeline is the question. Um, but yeah, in terms of um, the short term, I think there are a lot of efforts going on on the continent, and especially in the last couple of years, to just build talent. And I think the more the talent is there, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Um, it will, you know, uh, solve that branding issue hopefully uh, that way. Um, I mean, we see uh, companies like Meta or, or Facebook, um, Google, IBM making big investments on the continent. Um, you know, Jack Dorsey's a bit, you know, no longer at, at Twitter, but, you know, come, came out here and, and, and is really kind of interested in investing in the continent. So there's a lot um, of people that are that are, are investing and kind of building out uh, the talent. And I think eventually that'll just that'll just happen. There's also a number of like governments and um, foundations, organizations that are also trying to kind of build these places, um, these physical spaces where people can kind of come, um, learn the skills, and then actually kind of start their freelancing careers with like coaches, with somebody there who's like more more of an experienced freelancer to like kind of look over the shoulder and be like, oh, you know, are you bidding on this job or that job? You know, how, uh, you know, how have you been communicating with the customer? Um, so I think those types of things are coming up and yet yeah, hopefully, hopefully sooner than later, we will solve that branding issue. Mm. I'm curious about while you're talking, um, I was thinking about how I feel like as digital nomads, we are way better traveled than the average Westerner, um, you know, like American Canadian, whatever it may be. But even with that, I feel like Africa gets kind of jumped over, right? Like you have a lot of people that go to like and spend a lot of time in Latin America. Obviously, a lot of people who spend time in, in Eastern Europe and Bulgaria is obviously blown up as a digital nomad hotspot. Obviously, I don't need to talk about Southeast Asia and how popular that is. And I feel like Africa literally just kind of gets jumped over. And I don't think that's without like a lack of interest, but I think it's a it's um a lack of knowledge around like where can I go as a remote worker, right? It's a very big continent. Uh, there's a lot of different countries with different cultures and levels of safety and infrastructure that's available for people to work there. So I'm kind of curious what are the, you know, um, you know, obviously we'd love to be able to say like, Hey, you can go anywhere on the continent and experience it and like travel to it. But like, if you're thinking about somebody who's listening to this, who is a digital nomad has to work, what are the countries and maybe even more specifically, if you need to get into it, like cities within those countries that you would say, Hey, I would check this place out if you're interested as like a remote worker to visit Africa. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, funny enough, I think that while there isn't, while while the nomad scene hasn't really taken off here yet too much, um, there are like big pockets of expats uh, in these areas. So you do have kind of people that are coming to work here, but more on like a longer term basis. Um, and so you know, and then there's obviously you know vast populations of people that are living here doing amazing things as well. So there are like communities to tap into. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like the average. Um, nomad and definitely the average kind of like person living in North America, Europe, you know, don't know kind of how to do it. And it's, and it can be scary. You know, you see things on the news and you think like, oh, you know, it's, it's scary. I don't know what to do. So yeah, um, it's, it's an issue, that, you know, again, probably a branding issue. Um, but uh, there are a lot of great places. Um, and so yeah, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. Um, 
I mean, I'll start off with Nairobi. Nairobi is a pretty big city, but it's it's a like there's so much going on here in like a really good way. Um, I think of like if I were to think of like what's unique about Nairobi. So Nairobi's in Kenya, the capital of Kenya. For those that don't know, um, first of all, uh, I think about it as like kind of you know one of the uh, staples of kind of like modern Africa. It's become a huge startup scene. So a lot of startups that are working across the continent um, are here. There's great cafes. Uh, you know, easy to kind of go to a cafe and, you know, sit down and there's just kind of people, you know, from all over the world and a lot of people from Kenya um, that are just having great conversations. You're like sitting down, you're listening, you're like, oh, somebody's talking about like venture capital over here. Somebody's talking about like, uh, uh, you know, green energy and like green energy startups over here. And it's like, okay, it feels like there's an energy. It feels like there's a vibe. Um, Dude, keep saying stuff like this. I'm gonna show up on your doorstep in uh, in Nairobi. So. You should. I've been trying to invite people. I've been trying to invite people. Um, yeah, it's it's fairly affordable. I mean, I guess it depends on like what you're comparing it to, but like compared to like the West, it's 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 quite affordable. Um, it has great nightlife, uh, lots of events, lots of culture, um, and then I guess the other thing about it is like. That rub is great because you also have lots of different like day trips and like trips you can do from out from here. Like Kenya is a very diverse country in terms of um, it has a really tropical coastline that is just beautiful, um, crystal blue water uh, and just, yeah, this kind of like Swahili coast. It's just absolutely beautiful. Um, you have mountain ranges where you can go hiking. And of course you have, you know, savannas and, and safaris and all that is, you know, within a day's trip. Um, so there's a lot to do here. So that's number one. Uh, well, in no particular order, you know, I'm not ranking these, but yeah. Um, right, right, of course. Of course, people, I, the one place that I feel like maybe the nomad scene is kind of getting to a bit would be Cape Town uh, in South Africa. Um, Cape Town is just like naturally beautiful. I mean, the mountains kind of meeting the ocean, um, really, really pretty place. Um, we spent uh, six months there ourselves and just really enjoyed it. Um, great food scene, uh, really affordable and, you know, hiking and all that stuff. And then you also have kind of like the wine lens if, for people that like wine. I'm actually, I don't love wine personally, but um, just like 45 minutes from there, just like all these vineyards and they're just in these like beautiful mountains and you can kind of go out and have a day uh, in these places and really affordable as well. So that's, that's another one. I'll highlight maybe two more. Uh, so Zanzibar is a, an island off the coast of Tanzania. Um, and it is also just, it's on the same coast as like the Kenyan uh, coast, but just this island that is really beautiful. Um, great culture there, really good food. It has like, uh, so it has influence like from long ago from like the, uh, the Oman Empire, so kind of the Middle East uh, coming down there. And like um, an Arabic uh, flavor to some of the things? Exactly, yeah. And unfortunately, it was a lot because of trade and, and actually the slave trade. So it, it has like a bit of a darker history. But today, um, those influences are there. So you kind of have these, you have Stonetown, which is kind of the capital city there. It's a small city, but like with these old, narrow streets that you can kind of just get lost in. And then you head out from there and just have these uh, this beautiful... Um, yeah, kind of coastline with these with these uh, crystal waters, and then the last one maybe would be, and I have to give a shout out because this is where I spent uh, I spent ten years in Zambia, 
Um, and my wife is from there. That's where I was. So um, uh, I would say Livingston. So Livingston is kind of off the beaten path and it wouldn't be uh, a place that you'd find that many people. But if you're adventurous, I'd say, you know, check it out. So Livingston is where Victoria Falls is, which is one of the seven natural wonders of the world. Um, you know, it's cheap. Um, you know, you could, you could stay there easily for a month or two. And it has all sorts of activities. So you can do like bungee jumping, whitewater rafting. There's safaris that you can kind of do right from there. Um, so yeah, there's all sorts of things. Uh, there's a lot of, it, there's like a good backpacker scene, but you know, the actual nomad scene, I think is still developing. So those would be just a couple places that I would, I would highlight, um, as a place to start. There's other places you could go, like, as you kind of get more experience, but, uh, yeah, those would be a couple to start. So are you saying when you said like, you know, once you get some more experience, you can go to other places just because of, you feel like those areas are a bit, um, a, a little bit like easier of a transition for somebody who maybe has never been to the African continent as opposed to yeah. other places. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. I, and I think the reason is a lot of places, uh, you know, whereas some places, some of the like infrastructure, you know, or just like systems to like rent a car if you need to, or, you know, just kind of like public transportation um, is, is a little bit like less, I would just say like less centralized and less kind of, in some ways organized. So you do need to kind of, it, it, it's a bit of an adjustment to like figure it out. But I would also say, you know, I've been to, you know, places in like Central America or, um, you know, or, or the Caribbean. And like, you know, in, in some ways it's equal to that, you know, so people who are more experienced and just kind of like have that experience being in these types of places, I think will be fine. Um, but if you're kind of like, have just kind of done like the North America, Europe thing, it, it can be hard to figure yeah. out potentially. Um, and yeah, and really one piece of advice I would just say is, you know, if you can connect with communities in advance, like most of these places will have like little Facebook groups, um, or if you know some people and, and just kind of through word of mouth can get connected, that really can kind of help up speed up that like learning curve. So I'm curious about two countries in Africa and the reason why I'm curious about them. So I'm, I'm going to tell you what they are. So I'm very curious about Rwanda. Okay. And I'm curious about Rwanda because I had a friend, and I think we talked about this uh, a little while ago, but I have a friend who actually drove his motorcycle through. He went through like a bunch of different countries in Africa, but he was just like, Rwanda is incredible. And he was telling me about how he was actually really impressed with like how good the infrastructure was and that it was like super clean. And he just had this, he just left like really like surprised, but also like very, very impressed with, with what Rwanda has become since obviously um, a, a very scary past. And also the other country that I'm curious about, if you can give a little bit more context, context or just like your opinion of it is Nigeria. And the reason why I'm asking for Nigeria specifically is because I believe they're one of the countries that has the fastest growing population. And if I'm not mistaken, Lagos certainly is um, is believed to be one of the top 10 biggest cities by 2050. But I think Nigeria has like three of the cities uh, that are supposed to be on that list, if, if I'm not mistaken. Again, don't quote me, but I'm just kind of curious for those reasons. What would you say about those two places? Cool. They are very different. <laughs> let me start with let me start with Rwanda, um, and and it's you know and it's good to talk about these because oftentimes people don't know like the differences within Africa. Um, so yeah, good, very, very good uh, opposite ends of the spectrum of these two places. Um, Rwanda is a place I spent quite a bit of time in. Um, it is you know 
branding issue, although I think it's starting to overcome mm-hmm. this, you know, Rwanda to many Westerners is known for the genocide, which happened like, right. uh, I think 20 years ago at this point. Um, but since then, uh, there's the, the president um, that is, has taken over there is really kind of looks up to like Singapore. Singapore is this, you know, the story of Singapore where it's like, it was a little fishing village and now it's become this little city state that like is, you know, one of the wealthiest in the world and we're really well respected. So the president has really kind of taken on that ideal to say like, we are going to be almost like the Singapore of Africa. Interesting. Really, really safe. One of the safest places I would say you could go on the continent. I mean, easily, you know, walk anywhere at any time of day. Really beautiful. It's very hilly and you kind of, you kind of find those like tea plantations with uh, that have those, um, you know, are, are carved into the, into step, the yeah. side. Yeah, steps. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, exactly as you said, like it's really kind of orderly. They really have tried to like put, they're kind of like, we want it to be clean. We want it to be orderly. We want the systems to work. And so, yeah, it, you know, it, I, as I was thinking through like these places of potential to start, it was easily a place that you could easily start jump into and um, yeah, but they're really trying to build up the economy, um, inviting a lot of kind of uh, global companies to like come in and manufacture, um, like uh, Volkswagen has a big manufacturing plant there. Um, they're working with different textile firms to like, uh, you know, manufacture their clothes there. Um, so yeah, really easy place, beautiful place. Definitely recommend uh, going there and, you know, for anyone, even kind of like a new, someone new to Africa. Nigeria. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of Kigali and Kigali yeah. looks insane, like in a good way. It looks awesome. Um, so yeah. I think I found a rendering of what they wanted to look like in like 10 yeah. 20 years. Some of them, like that looks. I mean, it already looks cool, but that looks sick. If uh, yeah. they can, you know, get even like fifty percent of that. So yeah, they're trying to build up their startup scene as well. Like a big. I mean, I shouldn't say big, but like uh, you know, a, an upcoming tech scene for sure because they're trying to attract mm-hmm. all these people. So yeah. You know, great place, great place to visit. Um, Nigeria, Lagos, let's talk about that. Um, I, you know, I, I actually went, went there recently for the first time. Um, I would, you know, also an amazing place. And, you know, first let me talk about, I would almost say it's like a cultural capital of the continent. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, are you familiar with Afrobeats at all as like a, a music genre? Um, I'm not a big music person, but yes, I, okay. I am familiar. Yeah. But I can't name like artists or something. I yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it, it's, it honestly is like my favorite music. I love, um, Afrobeats and really Nigeria is like the place that most of that music is coming from. Um, so, you know, and it's spread throughout the continent for sure and spread, you know, other places in the world. So I think in many ways, like leads culturally, a lot of like, also there's Nollywood, uh, like, so there's. There's uh, Hollywood, Bollywood, and then Nollywood. And now I think it's the third biggest producer of films in the world. Um, huh. So it's very much a cultural capital. So I think that's like one of the reasons that I was very interested in going there. Um, I think, as you said, uh, it's you know also from a population perspective, I think it's almost, it might even have surpassed uh, 200 million people now. So it's a big country. It's very influential on the continent. It's the biggest economy in Africa. So those are all like the reasons that it is very interesting place, um, but it's a hustle culture. So you get there and there's just like, there's a lot going on. There's people coming up to you wanting to like help you with things or sell you things. And it's, you know, it, in many ways, it's like, it's it, for somebody that's new, like to these types of environments, it would be a confusing place. 
Um, it would be, it would definitely, like if I was rec recommending someone to go to Africa for the first time, that's not, you know, hasn't experienced at least types of things, it would, I would say like, that should be like your fifth or sixth or seventh or 10th country to go to. Um, gotcha, unless gotcha. you know, um, unless you know people there and like, you know, somebody's going to be with you and like kind of uh, guide you through that. Um, the one other place I'll actually quickly highlight, because I think, you know, it, you kind of reminded me of it, um, is, is Ghana. Um, and Ghana, you know, it's West African, so which is Nigerian as well. So there's like actually cultural, some similarities there. Um, a lot of good Afrobeats that come out of there as well. Um, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's not as hectic, I would say. But the other reason that it's actually quite interesting is um, the kind of like African-Americans and like the, the African diaspora around the world there's kind of a big movement of like, like moving back, like, like move me back, returning. returning. Um, and that's kind of like the area, like Accra, the capital city um, is an area that like is really kind of hosting a lot of people and kind of bringing people back uh, to the continent. So a lot of like African-Americans are very interested uh, in, in that and, and kind of the culture that's going on there. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just, while we're talking, I'm like on Google Maps and like zooming in and like looking at pictures and stuff. Man, I think we should set up, let's throw this out there for the uh, listeners. I think we should set up like an African tour of, you know, for remote workers and digital nomads and just like hit like two, three of these cities and, uh, you know, just kind of uh, start getting the word out there about Africa. Because I'm, I'm game, man. This sounds, I'm so yeah. curious. I want to explore. I want to find out. No, so, I think it's, I think it'd be yeah, great it to get amazing. it on the map. And if, if that's how people want to do it, if like, if, if it's kind of bringing people out there and kind of helping people navigate that, definitely. Like, let's get people out here. Yeah. So I know that we're kind of running out of time. This has already been such a fun conversation. I want to keep talking about Africa and, and just all the, the stuff. And I'm sure that we can talk about the future of work even more. But I do want to touch on kind of like the traveling with a family and being a nomadic family. Like I know that that's something that you're very interested in. And, and we kind of touched on it already a little bit about how that may be that like fourth culture kid kind of thing or fifth <laughs> culture kid. I don't know, if, you know how yeah. it multiplies out. But what are, you know, your tips for that i'm kind of curious about obviously post covid we have a lot of families of remote workers that are maybe starting to consider this uh at like a different level than like before of hey we're both working remotely our kids are in school but like we could technically go somewhere what would be i don't know i know it's like a very broad question but just with your experience like looking back do you have any sort of tips or or important lessons or anything that you think is important to highlight on that topic? Yeah. Yeah. So let me give some context. So we, uh, yeah, we, um, starting at the beginning of 2021, so we've been kind of like, uh, we lived in Zambia for many years. We lived in Kenya for many years. So I've, I've been, a um, an expat on the continent for, for many years, but in, um, my wife is from Zambia. So, you know, I don't know if she's considered an expat, but, um, uh, but then in 2021, the, the very beginning of 2021 is kind of some of the, uh, you know, the vaccines were coming out and kind of the world was opening up a bit. Um, and I was able to work remote. Uh, we, we actually kind of like stumbled upon this whole nomad scene um, because initially we were actually just going to go visit like family. My wife's sister lived in, in, in Cape Town. Uh, we wanted to, you know, they have, they have kids the same age as ours and we want, you know, instead of kind of like having them see each other for like a week, a year, 
uh, and kind of be almost right. a little bit strangers. We wanted to just spend more time with them. So we said, let's go down there for a couple months. A couple months turned into a couple more months. We then, you know, went and visited our parents. We hadn't seen them in a while. And then we were just like, okay, you know what? So that was in Zambia. At this point, we can kind of go anywhere. Like it kind of opened our minds. Like we can actually just go anywhere. Let's uh, let's just go where we want to go. So we we did. We we came back to Kenya. We went to uh, Spain. We went to the U.S. We went to Mexico. Uh, we went to the Dominican Republic actually because there was a, a school there specifically for traveling families. Um, so mm. met a bunch of other traveling families, and at that point, we kind of really got steeped in the in the like nomad culture. Um, but yeah, so uh, maybe. Getting to your question then, um, advice. Um, I think there's just like a lot of fear uh, around this. Like, you know, can I can I bring my get my kid out of school or like, you know, what would this mean? Would this be disruptive to them? Um, and I think, you know, first, I think the reason that, that we got comfortable with it is like just my like our personal views on education, which is like actually basically we think that the kids will gain more from doing this than not doing this. Uh, and I guess that personally like kind of stems from my views of education, which is I think education, the way a lot of education has been designed these days is like for a very old, it was like the industrial revolution to get, get people into factories, um, not kind of this future, not even like the current uh, state of the world, but like the future. So we just were like, listen, we think that um, the kids will actually benefit more from this than, than not. So that's number one, um, just like kind of get out of the fear and realize, um, I, you know, like people think like, oh, there's risk in doing this, like taking the kids to go do this. But I would say there's actually all, you know, there's going to be a risk no matter what. I would say that keeping the kids in like a traditional system is also risk. Like I went to a public school mm, in the U.S. You might not gain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went to a public school in the U.S. and we forget how many people like actually kind of fall through the cracks of those systems uh, and like, you know, don't have the... <laughs> don't end up with these great outcomes and, you know, kind of get forgotten. Um, as well as just like, are we even preparing people for the future uh, on, on top of that? So that's number one. But number two is like, just try it out. I, I would say like, you don't have to commit to, like we ended up just like going fully nomadic and like getting rid of our apartment. Uh, but you don't have to like, you don't have to do that right away. Um, you know, try it out over, um, over, when, you know, when your kid is on school break. So you don't even have to commit to, um, you know, we're going to take him out of school or anything. Just like go somewhere, go somewhere for a month uh, if, you, if, if you can, if you have that opportunity to. Um, so, yeah, just try it out. I guess the other bit is, um, you know, it does help. I think that we found out, you know, to have a bit of a community where other kids are. So there are kind of these like world schooling hubs where just like other families are gathering they're not necessarily even a school, but like kind of maybe they're homeschooling, but they're kind of gathering in these areas and then you can connect with them and get your kids to kind of play with, play with each other. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, I think kids, kids do like to be social. I think that people feel like, oh, if I'm going to go nomadic, it means like my kids won't have any friends. That's definitely not the case. Uh, and yeah, I can, I can talk about this more if you're interested, but like from some of the families that we have now met on the, you know, as traveling, we're now actually kind of going to meet up at, at, at different parts of the world. Like they, these kids have these friends and these ongoing relationships um, with these other kids that are having li uh, similar lifestyles. So yeah, uh, you know, try it out. Um, find a little bit of a, of a community if you can and tap into that. And yeah, I think, uh, you know, give it a go. There's no reason not to, if you, if you have the opportunity. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting because we always get this question about like community and like friends and relationships. Like, you know, people just assume that we don't like, okay, you're nomadic now, so you're traveling, so you don't have friends. Like, it's just you going by yourself and like constantly you have these like shallow friendships wherever you meet. And the truth is that that might be the case for like the first year, but we found that like after about a year and a half, two, you start developing enough friendships that, um, you can kind of meet up with your friends and go do things. And like, you know, um, we are planning on like going and doing kind of like a co-living thing in Europe, like next summer with a bunch of our friends, which is going to be really fun. And, and you just kind of develop this like community of people who do what you do. And so you can meet anywhere and you just kind of build like new relationship with people who can kind of like live the lifestyle with you. Um, so I think it's, it's funny that you guys kind of had that like, same experience, but just like with families, right? Like, Hey, now we're going to go and like meet up with this family over here or whatever over there. That's, I think that's really, really exciting. Um, I want to ask you one more question about this because obviously a lot of people listening to this are, are entrepreneurial and like looking for different opportunities and stuff like that. And I think this is a space where there might be a lot of opportunities, like solutions for nomadic families. So I'm curious if you are kind of like, you know, have spent a lot of time thinking about this. Where do you think are some of like the coolest opportunities or possible businesses, um, projects, experiences that could be formed around that? Yeah, I, it's a good question. Um, I think that we're starting to see some of these uh, things come up. Um and, and, I, and I do think that oftentimes, you know, for nomadic families, like the kid issue is like the biggest issue. Like if you have the opportunity to work digitally, work remotely, um, it's like, okay, the biggest question is what do we do with the kids? Um, and so, yeah, I think it's really just kind of building these communities and we're starting to see some of them. So like uh, this, this uh, school in the Dominican Republic was kind of catered toward that. Um, although I would say it was really kind of focused on the, on the education aspect. Um, I, you, I feel like you may know about boundless life. Um, is that, is that something you heard of? Yeah. So they're kind of loosely familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So they're kind of like really trying to, um, kind of build out the whole solution, right. To kind of say, okay, like come to us, we'll help you kind of sort out housing. Um, we'll give you a a co-working space and we'll give you a school that the kids can kind of go in like all together. Uh, and kind of facilitate like a, like a community, like put on events, uh, you know, connect you into the local local culture, um, and they're starting to spread. And I think I, I think that that's a fantastic idea. I mean, it's something we we really want to do. I think you know, it's then like, okay, how do we um, how do we how do we like kind of keep the cost down, make it affordable, and, and get everybody involved. Um, another thing that I've seen that I think is really cool is um, some people are just saying, okay, great, you know, there's that, but actually it might even be more affordable. What if we just like hired a teacher um, and get five families together and we're just going to travel together? So there's something called um, the Traveling Circus that is doing that. Um, and so they're just like kind of spending three months together, um, like over the course of a year and potentially even longer than that. Um, in different cities, but they're traveling as like five or six families together who's just like hired one teacher um, to do that. But that's very like organic. I mean, there could be business opportunities around um, formalizing that and, and building structures into that. So yeah, I, I don't know. But definitely, I think it's 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 something that is new and upcoming and I'm sure there'll be lots of opportunities there. 
it's so funny because I have a friend who's a teacher and we've discussed this before. Like, hey, like, I think this would be really cool where like you kind of travel with like a bunch of families and maybe like we came up with like a training where we can get other teachers to do the same and someone is already doing it. And I love it that, you know, there's a lot of people thinking about this. So that's very, very cool. But um, Matt, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been a ton of fun. I've learned a lot already. I'm sure listeners have as well. Let people know where can they find out more about you if these are topics they want to explore or just like read more from you about like where can they find you online and are there any other links or resources or anything that you want to highlight that you'd like people to check out? Yeah, cool. Well, before I do that, I'll even actually, you know, one of the things I like to do, obviously, uh, you know, the African continent is a big space and I think it's important to kind of get more voices into that space. So before I even talk about myself, um, there are just kind of like other people I would encourage like to follow. If you want to kind of follow other people in the space who are kind of African and from the continent, um, a couple that I'll just point out. Um, you may know Tayo Roxon, um, who, who has his own podcast and uh, is from Nigeria. There's also a guy uh, named Tayo Aino, A-I-N-O, who does really cool stuff on, uh, on YouTube and just kind of traveling the continent. Um, and then there's uh, Agnes Nyamwange, uh, from Kenya, who uh, has been kind of living in this space for a while. So just kind of some voices to potentially um, follow if you're interested in, in kind of uh, the nomad scene on the continent. So that's number one. Um, in terms of myself, really, you know, I think uh, it's probably just LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, LinkedIn is where I try and put some of my uh, uh, larger thoughts on just kind of like the space, the nomad space what it means to, to travel with kids and, you know, just kind of insights uh, living and working in Africa. Um, and then Twitter is just kind of like where I'll just kind of interact with people and, uh, you know, throw out little nuggets here and there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm Matthew Grolnick on both. Uh, Matthew with two T's. Grolnick is G-R-O-L-L-N-E-K. So yeah, I, those are probably the places that, I, that I'm interacting with most people. Perfect. Well, we're going to have links to all of them in the show notes. So folks, definitely head on over there and check those uh, folks out that Matt recommended. I'm definitely going to go in there and, and find out more about them. And uh, yeah, man, it's been uh, super fun to have you on here. And it, and, uh, it was a lot of fun to, to talk about this stuff. So thank you for taking the time to do this. Yeah, really fun. Thanks a lot. 